0: Jean-Marie, welcome to Real Vision. Thank you for having me, Ash. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Let's jump right in. What's the current state of play in the crypto space from where you sit right now? Oh, where we sit.
1: <laughs> it is a bit busy, let's put it this way. The market is like reacting really, really hardly hard to all this macro environment. And uh, we're kind of hostage
0: of this macro environment right now and uh, hoping for a turn at some point. So let's talk a little bit about Coinshares for folks who do not know. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do there. What's your focus? What are your products? Uh, and what other services do you provide?
1: Well, so Coinshare is defined by three attributes. It's trust, transparency, and technology. Um, and he's a listed company uh, in Europe. So Coinshare plays in the market. is number one uh, European trading and investment house specialized in digital assets. And this tech expression in three different business units we are running, one being asset management, the second one being a capital market unit, and finally a consumer. And all these different activities underpinned by our technology backbone and our operating system called Galata.
0: So let's talk a little bit about each of those uh, sides of the house. Talk about asset management, the business solutions capital markets that you guys provide, uh, and how those services fit together.
1: Yeah, so... We need to rewind a little bit the clock uh, and see where we come from. So uh, before CoinShare, you know, we were running a company called Global Advisors, which is a commodity hedge fund. Um, and at the end of the commodity cycle, we give back the money to our investors, and you know, decide to stay together because we like us as a team, and we stay together and discover Bitcoin. And you know, because we we're coming from a hedge fund world, the first stuff we did was to do a hedge fund again, uh, and that's how we started to right. in practice since early 2014. And it's only in the early 2016 we realized that active asset management was not really having, you know, scalable traction that we decided to pivot into something much more indexed and beta approach of asset management.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit about that, particularly for people who don't have backgrounds in traditional finance. So you saw this uh, as an active strategy and not you said not gaining a lot of traction, uh, meaning that the demand wasn't there in the market. Uh, you're looking at more of a beta strategy and index strategy. Talk a little bit about the distinction between those two approaches and why you feel that the latter was more appropriate for where crypto was when you decided to make that transition with the business.
1: I think the key point was what the market wants. Uh, and at that point back in time, people were looking to get some basic exposure uh, to crypto uh, in a simple way. and having a listed product that you can use with your normal trading account, normal brokerage account was kind of the answer to this need. Uh, any kind of more sophisticated hedge fund type of approach was probably overcooked for what the market wanted at the time. so the idea was back to basic. People want some simple beta exposure before they want some relative value or something a bit more, you know, I would say exotic uh, to the ecosystem. So it was like, okay, well, let's just give simple exposure. And, uh, you know, BTP's wrapper was a perfect function for that.
0: So, so, ETP's, for folks who may not know, are exchange traded products, specifically in this case, ETFs, exchange traded funds. Talk a little bit about those products, the role that they play in your business, and where you saw the demand in that space. Just to precise a little bit better, the
1: ETPs family com- is comprised of different subcategories. And within the subcategory, you get the ETF, the exchange traded product, you get the ETN, the exchange traded notes, and you finally get the ETC, the exchange traded commodities. And realistically, CoinShare started with the ETN framework, which is our platform XBT provider. Uh, which is in, in Sweden and effectively is a characteristic of an ETN is like it's backed by a swap. Uh, this is a great product, but you know, post-2008, great financial crisis, anything which has a swap is not the best solution for institution. So what we did is like evolve from this ETN model towards an ETC model, which is, a, I would say, golden standard in Europe for anything which is backed by physical assets such as crypto. I know it's a bit of a barbarism to, Use physical
0: next to crypto, but that's kind of a representation more than the reality. You, you basically mean, you, when you say physical, what you're talking about is basically the cash traded market, uh, the underlying securities themselves, or, or excuse me, I'm going to upset regulators by saying that, meaning the underlying uh, coins themselves rather than Correct. the uh, derivatives. Yeah. Correct. Um, so that's a kind of two format, and we run these two formats uh, for, you
1: know, since 2015, 2016 until now. Uh, and we finally get a third platform, which is a joint venture with Invesco around crypto equity, uh, specifically, and that this one is an ETF. So really get the all family ETN, ETPs and ETF. Uh, and they all cater for different needs in the market, whereas our kind of uh, Bitcoin or digital asset product cater for people who are already able to add this kind of risk on the balance sheet while the uh, you know, the crypto equity is more for people who want to get a better exposure to the sector without having to own some Bitcoin directly.
0: And so the general premise there with the folks who are not able uh, to own those directly is that there are, uh, for example, funds that have investment charters that don't permit them uh, to directly hold uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum, for example. Uh, And there are also individuals out there uh, who are just more comfortable with the idea of, for example, buying an ETF in their brokerage account. Many people have done that in the past uh, without thinking about necessarily uh, custodying the crypto assets directly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's all the
1: type of Advantage of the, you know, many countries in Europe. You know, we only distribute in Europe. We don't distribute in the US, but many other countries in Europe have some tax benefit and some eligibility for your tax or your pension plan as well, which you won't have by buying outright crypto. So there is some very interesting advantage for
0: long term order. Yeah, tax advantage, obviously, a very large part of any investment strategy. Uh, talk a little bit uh, about the scale of the business. As you said at the top of the show, you are the largest player in this space in Europe. Talk about the number of countries that you're in uh, and a bit about the scale of the business that you guys are running.
1: We So CoinShare as a business uh, is 100 people. Uh, we are present in four countries with four offices. Um, And our distribution capacity is throughout Europe. So we're targeting pretty much every single country in Europe, and we have the authorization to distribute in all these countries, uh, which is a really important thing because Europe being a fragmented uh, block uh, when it comes to regulation compared to the US, which is just one big market where you can outreach much more easily. And very much in Europe, we also get many languages, not just English. Make the whole distribution game a bit more fragmented than just addressing the American market. So just so at the peak of the bull market, we are managing around $6.5 billion of assets for all our investors across our three different platforms.
0: So, JM, obviously, uh, we mentioned regulation uh, in that conversation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about it. It's something that's very much uh, on the minds of folks here in the United States, but also in Europe. Uh, there's something called MICA for our US viewers who may not know. This is the Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation uh, that is currently going through the European Parliament. Talk a little bit about how regulation impacts your business uh, and how you've adapted to that. Well,
1: I would say the beauty for Coinshare is that we come from a regulated environment in our previous businesses. So we have always approached crypto as something which will be regulated anyhow. Uh, It's just a question of time. So we always make the effort from the get go to see how can we address this thematic with our regulated hats, not just forgetting we know what regulation means. Um, So everything we have done since the very, very beginning imply a high degree of regulation. And to some degree, one would argue that the reason we have been able to launch a product we launched is because we were demonstrating this regulation capacity to a different counterparty from the go. So we are regulated in London, we're regulated in Jersey, we're regulated in France, uh, we have some regulatory touch points in Sweden, uh, we also regulated in the US. So we have really kind of a, a wide array, a wide surface uh, of regulation available uh, within the group.
0: You know, it's so interesting. You mentioned this notion uh, that you guys have been regulated from the beginning because you started out as a regulated entity and a regulated business. It almost seems that in crypto now, we find ourselves in this space where you have Kind of two ways of approaching this, you have the folks who are kind of true digital natives uh, who have the background uh, in, for example, software development on the one hand, uh, and on the other, you have folks who come to it as you guys do from this uh, regulated framework, having you know participated in capital markets in a regulated way. Uh, and it's like almost like we're meeting in the middle. Uh, um, you know, I guess that's the goal, uh, particularly for people who haven't been regulated, but really, the regulatory story right now we have this conversation here in October of 2022 uh, obviously it's a dominant theme it seems as though it's only growing uh, what's your expectation for uh, the short and intermediate term with where regulation is going and how are you adapting the business to suit that
1: I think, I think that the regulation has been too slow to come you know uh, and to to be deployed uh, as a result uh, a lot of people got hurt uh, you know and the problem is, the mission of the regulator is to prevent retail investors to get hurt uh, or to protect retail investors in general uh, events like terra luna uh, are definitely affecting uh, the retail market and as a result the answer to that is going to be i think pretty much an overreaction uh, because the regulation going to come after the event not before the event so we are in a kind of uh, not preventive kind of medicine. We want to kind of like, okay, we're already sick. Now we need to take the drugs, uh, type of, uh, approach. So the medicine are going to be pretty, you know, painful for the overall industry, uh, to, uh, digest. Um, so, you know, that's why I think it's very important to put your regulatory hats on very early on. Uh, that's what we did at Coinshare. That's what we will keep doing in the future. Uh, and I think there will be a very big premium uh, in the future for the business who can demonstrate this full integrity regulatory framework.
0: Well, when you talk about this uh, integration of regulatory frameworks, obviously, this is something that would be a a pretty significant shift for the space. Crypto has been kind of a Wild West uh, libertarian utopia for a very long time. What do you think that implies for what's going to happen with crypto markets? What do you guys expect to see in the industry more generally as a consequence of the regulation that you see coming?
1: I agree with your point. You know, If you read the white paper from Satoshi uh, or you speak with the team at Blockstream, which were kind of the very you know, early adopters of Bitcoin, the very first uh, people working in this industry and trying to see what the tech can be, what you can do with this tech. Um, there is a big shift which is happening with the approach of regulation. Uh, however, uh, thinking you can scale this industry without having uh, any kind of regulatory touch point is also delusional to some degree. Uh, so it's not so much about, why do you need the regulation? The regulation is going to be imposed to you, so you better just get going with it and and be ready for it. Because there is plenty of example uh, in the world where regulation happened overnight and you either have a business on one day and you don't have one another on the next day. You know, if you look at the FX business in Switzerland, for many, many years, it was a non-regulated activity to do FX brokerage in Switzerland. And overnight, you have to get a banking license. So a lot of brokerage has went under, and it was just a couple of smart guys who decided to have a bank. And that's the story, for enough, of our own uh, investment in FlowBank, where FlowBank has been created by one of these guys, which overnight think about having a, a license was the right stuff to do, and went for a banking license before it was a requirement in the FX market in, in the 90s. And we are back with him in business to uh, redevelop banking and redevelop banking around crypto as well
0: it almost becomes kind of a de facto regulatory arbitrage where the shops that are sophisticated enough and large enough and well capitalized enough to invest in the legal regulatory and compliance architecture benefit uh, while everyone else is disadvantaged i'm not sure it's an
1: arbitrage i think it's a culture i think it's a culture shift uh, you know like uh, regulation is not so much about you know people paying regulation with a big brush and say oh regulation is bad and we can't build a regulation you just you can't build up regulation you can scale business regulation it just take a bit longer you just you just do it differently you make a if you have a different decision process but it's a cultural shift from within and I think that all management need to also embrace that and accept that you know so it's an alignment between shareholders and management to be able to carry the same message uh, from within but you know that's a that's the sense of the journey.
0: Talking of that journey, Jam. Let's talk a little bit more broadly about what your expectations are on a slightly longer time horizon for these markets. Where do you see the crypto space shifting over the next one, three, and five years? Forget my crystal balls. Um, <laughs>
1: but like, look, I think for the next one for the next year or two, like you know, we are a bit attached to the macro environment. So you know, the, the, the dynamic is going to be very much dictated to us by the overall environment uh, which is happening around us you know, the latest CPI number are not really going or showing any sign of a relief uh, anytime soon. Uh, now, you know, the, if you look a bit in a longer perspective, you know, you know, we are a company looking at ETF, looking at ETPs, uh, you know, to some degrees, people may argue they are very much backward looking versus what crypto is all about. But what we're trying to do at CoinShare is to always stay relevant and always think forward so we're already exploring the, the direction asset management and investment in general will take over the next five to 10 years. And that's what our R&D team is looking at very closely. It's like, how do we reinvent the model of asset management? How do we reinvent the model of investment? You know, all this kind of thematic around tokenization are some interest for us. It's a question of how do they deploy and how do they scale uh, within a regulated environment?
0: By the way, I should say, uh, for for people who are wondering what the cpi print is that we're talking about here as we talk on uh the morning of thursday october 13th when that number has just been released uh cpi is up 0.4 percent in the u.s on a month over month basis and up 8.2 percent uh from a year ago today obviously Inflation is still very much a factor, very much uh, in play here. Let's talk a little bit about that, about what it's like to be in this inflationary environment uh, and the knock-on effect, which is that global central banks are withdrawing liquidity from the market that's been pumped in essentially since the global financial crisis in 2008. What do you think about that as a macro backdrop, as a framework for investing in crypto, and what are the implications?
1: Well, right now, you know, like uh, it's very simple. Crypto is trading, you know. Uh, as a proxy of U.S. liquidity, so if you just follow U.S. dollar liquidity index, you know with different kind of you know, attachment to it, to just have a very clear picture, you know you can see crypto trading kind of in line with that. Now that's a very sad way to look at crypto and to just limit crypto to a very kind of macro thematic, uh, whilst completely forgetting the overall, I would say, technology play which is developing front of you around crypto, you know, if you look at Ethereum merge, you look at what it means, you look at the kind of property which are being built uh, on the Ethereum network, you know, we can talk about Uniswap, we can talk about having all this kind of like decentralized application uh, have a lot of uh, unrealized value and unrealized benefits, uh, which if you compare them to the real world uh, asset or property such as CME and NICE and You know, you can start to wonder like, okay, where where is it all going on this kind of giant computer, which is Ethereum? Uh, So there is a lot of stuff which are completely uh, missed out in terms of valuation of all these crypto assets in terms of like all the technology element of it. So, yes, you know, the macro environment is not helping. I think, you know, once we see some U.S. liquidity issue being resolved or turning around, crypto probably going to turn around as well. Uh, but overall, there is a big piece of the valuation discussion, which is completely forget right now because, you know, it's very difficult for people to conceptualize something they don't see. It's like the value, which is going to be uh, delivered through the creation of this new property built on this kind of internet computer.
0: Well, you know, to exactly that point. Just for a little bit of background and context, I know the show is going to air a little bit later. Uh, but when we saw these uh, numbers drop on CPI, uh, I'm looking here at the seven day chart on Ethereum and Bitcoin, uh, and it's not pretty. Bitcoin falling below the key psychological level of around nineteen thousand, where it's been hovering for a few days, uh, and e- Ethereum falling below the thirteen hundred dollar level where it's been hovering. You look at the seven day chart; it's not pretty. Uh, the point here is that from a short term trading basis, when we have these macro numbers come out, when we get these macro prints, uh, what we see is significant impact uh, on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the entire cryptocurrency asset complex when we see, as you said, uh, JM, this withdrawal of liquidity from the system or the perception that numbers uh, coming out showing high levels of inflation are going to cause liquidity to be withdrawn from the system. But then, But then contrasting with that, you make this broader point about crypto as a long-term technology play, about the development of infrastructure in the space, uh, about how digital assets are being built out right now from a technology perspective. How do you reconcile these two radically different points of view? On the one hand, the sort of continual, accretive growth of the technology, Developing a more robust ecosystem where digital assets can be traded, and then on the other hand, you have this macro uh, trading play where you get you get a number that shows that uh, perhaps central banks are going to need to act more aggressively, and you see the bottom fall out in the short term. Yeah, I think it's an escape velocity
1: problem, and you know you need to park away the macro thematic, uh, which is imposed to you. There's not much you can do about that. You know, you, you know the, the, the saying is like, "Don't trade against central bank." You know, so you have to just. Go with the flow on this one and at the same time keep building you know we you know bear market have this great uh, attribute uh, despite being painful for crypto uh, holders. holders also a great time to buy you know when the market is under a lot of pressure on the upside you're trying to make sure you can service your clients uh, to the best you can now it's time to build and time to to keep developing uh, companies and keep developing projects so it's a it's a good time overall
0: yeah. Jean-Marie, a broad, wide-ranging conversation here today. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our viewers with? Key takeaways.
1: Keep building. The market is in a very, very uh, interesting position right now. But, you know, But At CoinShare, we keep building, we keep focusing on tomorrow, and we keep
0: deploying more and more uh, technology for investors. Thanks for joining us, Jean-Marie. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching, everyone.